welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, February 14th, 2024, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from our studios here in Birmingham, Alabama. And today, around the world, and especially here in the United States, we celebrate Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day is a day that we have have really just even brought together uh, to say it's about love and especially about the love between a man and a woman. Um, but there is a history behind Valentine's Day and St. Valentine's. And as most holidays in the United States, we have secularized something that really has its roots in biblical history, early church history. Um, and even as we'll talk about today, and Dr. Rick will inform us, even the martyr of, of our brothers and sisters is really even how Valentine's tank came to be. And so we're so excited today. We actually don't have a guest. It's just Dr. Rick and I, um, as you may say, <laughs> opining about Valentine's Day and also really looking as well, not just at Valentine's Day, but but as people of God's word, how does that affect? How does how does how does fighting for the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of life and 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 the opportunity of of love in a biblical prescribed manner? How does that ultimately help our children? How does that that help us wrap around our children to give them strong, mm. stable homes? And how does that help us even as we go care for vulnerable children, show them the love and the stability that comes from a godly marriage based on God's word? And on his principles. But before uh, we bring on Dr. Rick, I do want to remind you about Equipped to Love. Obedience to God's call to care for those who are vulnerable means that our churches will have members who are walking the paths of foster care or adoption. The question is, is your church equipped to love these families well? Equipped to Love is a training resource to help the church, as well as families and friends, support the adoptive and foster families in their lives. You can always visit lifelinechild.org. Specifically, if you're dash ready, you can go to lifelinechild.org backslash equipped dash two dash love. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash equipped with an ED dash two dash love. Or as always, and maybe the easier way, see our show notes for more details on how you can learn to understand the needs of these families and love them with practical support. Well, as we're sitting here uh, getting ready and talking about Valentine's Day, Dr. Rick, uh, I think it would be great if you would just start us off with a historical basis. Like, tell us a little bit more about how do we get here with Valentine's Day, a little bit more about St. Valentine. And of course, as you know, uh, people are waiting to hear you with bated breath. You are the silver haired, silver tongued one. You're the you're the one that people are, are, are lining up for autographs. They can't wait to hear you talk about Valentine's Day. Well, first thing I'll say is uh, try certs. That'll help with bated breath. And uh, and then and, and also it's a pretty good enhancement for Valentine's Day. So, you know, trying to give a little, little pro tip out there. But no, you know, Herbie, without turning this into a snooze fest, I think when we think about Valentine's Day, um, you know, we think about hearts and candy and all that sort of stuff. And we kind of don't know how this is related to you know, St. Valentine. Um, 
and and here's the here's the thing. Like I don't know that we actually know. There are a lot of legends out there about Saint Valentine. Um, a lot of a lot of rumors. The truth is, my wife tells me as an English literature major that um, we didn't really know who Saint Valentine was until about the 14th century, mm-hmm. and when Chaucer introduced Saint Valentine's Day and all the stuff that was kind of in Chaucer was all made up. But to the best we can understand, going back and and looking at this, you know, obscure Roman priest from the third century, he was a priest that believed in marriage. Mm-hmm. And and so at a time when the Emperor Claudius had said that young men couldn't marry in the Roman Empire, and Claudius was his motivation was he didn't want soldiers to have families and and opine to go home to their families. He wanted them to fight and not worry about wives and children that were left behind. Um, and in a society that that where polygamy was rampant, um, Valentine apparently was a priest mm-hmm. who promoted marriage, who pro- promoted marriage being between one man and one woman for one lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and he stood for that in the face of the emperor and he died for it. Mm-hmm. And so um, here's a guy who ultimately was not married himself, by the way, <laughs> but believed so much in, in, the, in the biblical pattern of marriage mm. that he was willing to give his life for it in the midst of a culture where that was not valued at all. And man, like, I think that has incredible implication for us today with where we stand and and what we think about in in a world where marriage is being challenged, where marriage is being devalued, where all this stuff is happening around us. And what we can remember, I think, as believers about Valentine's Day is not that it's this ooey gooey kind of, you know, romantic holiday, but it's a time to affirm what God has said is good. Hmm. Amen. For sure. Uh, I think that's, that's a a huge analogy and a huge example of what we need to do and how we need to appreciate. And, you know, in so many times when we think about love too, even in our culture, you know, we really do emotionalize love. Hmm. Um, You know, we make it about a feeling, you know, uh, even when you look at the history of Valentine's Day, you've got um, an odd looking little angel with a, with a bow and arrow that, that is supposed to be shooting love it on people. Really kind of creeps me out, by it the way. It creeps me out be, a good bit. Be yeah. Really and, honest with you. That. And if we're really being honest, probably a little bit of Roman goddess. Oh yeah. To him. Yeah. There's some, there's some uh, paganism there's in there. There's some paganism somewhere. in there and he's shooting love, <laughs> you know, but I know you and I would both agree. And, and certainly we've both told newlyweds or couples that are exploring marriage, marriage is not a feeling or emotion. It's a decision and it's a commitment. Um, it's a, it's a commitment to what God says in his word. And there's such a, an erotic nature that we're taking now these days to, to love and even to marriage that we've lost the commitment. And, and what our children need is families that are committed to one another, that, that love one another and not that are perfect, but that they have the understanding that mom and dad Mm. are so committed in love to one another that they're going to remain constant and steadfast. And it's, it's what our children need. And I think my second thought, and then I know you're going to wish to opine on both of these (laughs) would be. When we look at the the war on traditional marriage today, mm-hmm. 
in all of its forms, not just talking about the letter alphabet, the, the, you know, the alphabet soup, but, but all of the war on marriage from even no contest divorce, it's, it's been around since the creation in Genesis chapter three, right. you know, uh, Satan attacked men, attacked man from a, vertical sense of trying to put doubt between the love of God for man and that God really did love man and was looking for man's best. But it was also a horizontal attack as well as he pit man and woman against each other. And so rather it takes the forms of a utilitarian from what we believe with St. Valentine's where let's have men that aren't married. So they'll fight for, you know, king and country, or if it's today where it's a, you know, choose your own ending kind of love. Right. And, and, and it's all about, er, you know, eroticism and emotions. There has been a war on family since the very beginning because God's plan for family was to be fruitful and to multiply. Mm -hmm. And that is a, that is a stealth offense on the kingdom of darkness. Well, and I think there's a, just, there's a cheapening of the idea of intimacy Mm. that, you know, we've reduced in our society intimacy to something being sexual. Mm-hmm. And intimacy is not about just sexuality. That's it's right. about it's about the deep investment of every bit of you to someone else. Mm-hmm. And um, some of that's probably because we live in a society where we have a hard time knowing mm-hmm. who we really are. Mm-hmm. You know, we're being called to be somebody else and, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. But I think the I think the bigger you know, the bigger issue in that is, is that we've like we've we in the church have bought into this like shallow definition. We have. And and so like when you think about the privilege of what it is to do in a marriage, it's it's to know someone fully, completely without, you know, with like without any barrier. No, mm-hmm. you know, no lies, no, you know, no holding back. Mm-hmm. No. It, I mean, you shouldn't have a best friend. You shouldn't have a parent. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have anybody in your world that knows you any better mm-hmm. than your spouse. You shouldn't have anybody in your life that knows you as well mm-hmm. as, you know, as your spouse. Mm-hmm. And and part of what our kids need to see is they need to see moms and dads that are committed that way to one another. That's right. And so the romantic part of this is is part of it, right? Like we're we're not denying that, but it's but it's like a small part of it. It's a it's a you know it, it's 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 one of the blessings mm-hmm. of a, a much you know deeper relationship. And I think you know I think too sometimes in in evangelicalism we you know as as conservative Christians um, we get into this whole thing and in, in this whole you know debate around marriage and. Um, and and we're hanging on to it, maybe maybe a little bit fearful of the world that's going away, and a little bit fearful of what we you know of what we're going to lose. And what we have to realize is that as as we step into how we have this conversation in the culture, it's not about being a winner. Mm-hmm. It's not about you know it's not about coming out on on top and and you know and winning the debate. <laughs> it's about um, it's about ultimately being faithful to something that God said is good. That's right. And, and, and it's, and it's, it's living in such a way that we honor the King and say, um, whether we feel it or not, whether, you know, whether, whether even if it makes sense to us or not, God has said something is true and he said Mm -hmm. something is good. And so therefore we're going to conform our lives to it. Now, what we know is that it is good, that it does, you know, it does produce the best life. It does, Mm -hmm. 
you know, it does promise all those blessings. Um, it's hard work. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but anything worth having is anything right. worth being yep. a part of is. And, and so I just, you know, I want to encourage folks that, um, and, you know, maybe, maybe you're out there and, and you're listening and, and you're like, you're struggling mm. in your marriage. Maybe, you know, you buy into the things intellectually that we're saying, but at the same time, you're saying it's like, it's, it's difficult. Mm. Um, fight for it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and the way you fight is, is not by, it's not by making your spouse the opposition. The way you fight is by, is by leaning in and loving and, 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 and having that, that posture of, mm. of like true, real biblical intimacy which is I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to give, and 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 I'm going to honor this person that God's given me, um, like nobody else in the whole wide world. Yeah, Amen. I, and uh, you know, I almost finished your sentences several times there, especially <laughs> about you know nothing worth having or, or or nothing. There's there's nothing worth having that you don't fight for. Right. And uh, you know, again, I think we've got a disturbed picture. Of, of what it means to be in a marriage. Right. And so many times, even good godly Christian people will say, well, I'm giving now they've got to give back. Right. And, and marriage <laughs> is not a, a, I come 50, you come 50 type of, of proposition. It's a, I give a hundred percent wanting nothing in return. Right. And I think that's where you look at what Paul said and, you know, his, his illustration of marriage in Ephesians chapter five, the husband is Christ to the church mm -hmm. and Christ to the church doesn't say, Hey, you come part of the way and I'll come part of the way. Christ says, you can't even come anyway. I'm coming all the way to you. Um, and then two, the church's response is to gladly come the other way, not by compulsion, not by guilt, not by legalism, mm -hmm. um, but by, by affection towards what the gospel have, has Christ has done. And so I think as well, uh, very well known, verse uh, that Paul writes the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter two. And of course, he's saying this for humanity and, and just as a, as a command for all believers in general. But man, this is especially important in marriage where it says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, verse one of Philippians chapter two, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others and have this mind among yourself, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of man and being found in the human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, even obedient to the point of death. And, you know, we say it in our vows through sickness and in health, through mm. richness and in poorness, um, until death do us part. But then yet we don't really sacrifice like we mean that. Um, and, uh, and I think that's a, that is a, a fallacy of this whole erotic emotional love mm -hmm. syndrome, because when you're going through tough things, when things are hard, you know, it's, the, the the emotion may not be there. The the right. feeling may not be there. Um, you know, and without getting 
incredibly personal uh, on this platform. I mean, we both know that within our marriages, we've had health issues sure. of of one of the other spouse. Right. And in the midst of those health issues, there's not a really a whole lot of warm fuzzy <laughs> that is just like, mm, that's Cupid's arrow right, right there. Right. But it's the commitment and the love to say, I love this individual with a love that is actually otherworldly. It's yeah. coming from the Lord yeah. that I'm willing to lay down my own interest and my own rights to serve. And what I what I love, of course, biblical again, Paul says, we we learn in marriage then to outdo one another in love. Right. You know, I, it's, it's funny you say that. And, you know, and I think about, I think about us, I, I think about our parents. I think about, like, I'm drawn to think about my parents and that. And the, the self-sacrificing in old age kind of example of people who didn't leave each other and didn't forsake each other. Hmm. You know, the fact that, that they, when it got tough, um, mm. they like they cared mm. and, and they were there because they loved mm-hmm. and I, gosh, I get emotional thinking about it. But I, but I think that there are just too few examples of that anywhere in mm-hmm. our world. And, and our kids deserve to see that in, in their mom and dad. Yeah. And, you know, like out of all the things that we could be committed to, out of all the things that we could do, out of all the things we want to do for our kids, um, I think, you know, the, the thing that sometimes we forget to do mm-hmm. is is to, you know, lean into that. And it's easy. I, like I'm, I'm not going to I'm not preaching here because mm-hmm. it's it's easy in the midst of the busyness of life and, and you know, shepherding kids and all that sort of stuff to you know, to lose each other mm-hmm. in places. And, and so how do you not do that? Well, you, you don't do it because, because you, you keep your focus in, in the place where it's important. And I, you know, I was, I was sitting here while we were talking and I just, I thought about at the end of Colossians mm-hmm. one, where, you know, Paul's writing to the church there in Colossae and, and he's talking about like bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And so it's not really, the context doesn't really fit what we're talking about, but he says, him, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mm. mature in Christ. Mm. And, and so here's here's the reality. If that's what we're supposed to do for everybody, mm. how much more true is that of the person mm. that we're supposed to be completely unfettered one flesh with that person that we that that we that we take and hold and you know it is like we're like we're given that person how much more is it my responsibility to to see Denise be fully like Jesus mm. and how much you know how much is it your responsibility mm. to see Ashley be fully mm. like Jesus and in turn how much is it their responsibility mm to, you know, do that and encourage that and see that in us. And, and that doesn't happen because we push one another to it. It's because we journey with one another and we go together in that. That's right. And, uh, and so, you know, I think, and, and set aside time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like make, make that a priority. And again, that's not something that most of us probably even have, 
great clues to know how to do. Hmm. Amen. Um, but but we but it's something we can strive for, and it's something we can fight for, and it's something we can you know we can search the scriptures to know how to do, and it's something we can can encourage one another in, even even if we haven't seen great examples in that, even honestly, even if we've not if we've not always lived that. That's right. Um, you know, today's the first day of the rest of your life. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if you're listening, I do want to encourage you to stick around because we're going to end this with what we will call Dr. Rick and Herbie's top 10 to cultivating <laughs> this type of love in your marriage. Right. Um, we're each going to give you five. We're going to go back and forth and you're going to get our top 10. Yeah. But before we get there, uh, I think even in what we talk about, obviously, defending the fatherless. Right. Right. Um, so much of what we end up modeling in our marriage should be what we've experienced with Christ, 100%. right? A love that says, I will lay down, literally, I will not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but I will empty myself and come to you in order to literally die for you and give everything for you so that you can know the fullness of God. So then we image that in marriage right. by the way we love our kids, by the way we love, I mean, by the way we love our spouse. So then in turn, we then are showing a love to our kids right. that gives them security right? and that shows them that, yeah, mom and dad are going to discipline right. you. Mom and dad may even, not may even, will be sinful and act, right. but they're not going to give up on you. Right. They're going to, they're going to sacrifice for you. And bro, I, I know certainly we go to our parents. I even think of my grandparents. Oh yeah. Um, my grandparents were married for 51 years until my grandfather passed away. And this is going to sound like a silly story, but I remember about, I don't know, about a month, two months after my grandfather passed away. I have no idea to this day why he did not like pizza, <laughs> but he had had a slice of pizza at some point along his journey. And he decided it was one of the most disgusting things he'd ever had. Now, wow. I know how un-American that is right. to say that he didn't like pizza, but he did not like pizza. I don't know why. Wow. He was a meat and potatoes kind of guy. He didn't like pizza. Transversely, my grandmother in 50 years of marriage had never had a slice of pizza, wow. 51 years of marriage, because she did not want to do anything that 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 would come into any type of disunity yeah. with my grandfather. And of course, he laid down interest for her as well. Sure. This is just the reason it's funny. I remember about two months after he passed away, um, you know, Ashley and Ashley and I and my parents were with my grandmother and we actually took her to go get pizza. <laughs> and I remember watching that sweet little old lady dive into a piece of pizza as if she had never eaten anything in her life. And I remember her sweet little self going, this is one of the best things I've ever had. Yeah. And, and that's funny in a sense, yeah, but it's but sweet. We've so lost that in yeah. our society, yeah. right? It's about, you need to give way for what I want. My grandfather never told her she couldn't have pizza. He never said, you know, Jeannie knew, well, you can't have mm -hmm. pizza. But she didn't want it right. because she knew he didn't like it. Right. And again, that I'm not saying that people need to stop eating the things that somebody else like. But what if we led with I maybe don't you do. Want, but yeah, maybe you do. But, but yeah, but you know? yeah. But we've so lost that. Yeah. And so I think even as we see sometimes, and I'm certainly not blaming this in this, mm -hmm. but we've become a society that we're so quick to divorce, to remove, mm -hmm. to to look out for my own interests. If I'm not being fulfilled, then something's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And yet we're trying to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children 
And we've got to realize that adoption is not necessarily going to be fulfilling in the ways we think it will be. It's actually going to be a sacrifice. Being a parent is not something that's necessarily fulfilling as much as it is a sacrifice and that we cannot walk away from. We have to recapture that in our marriages and in our society and our churches or or we're headed for, for a really, for a really bad place. Yeah, for sure. So top 10, top 10. Here we go. Do you want to go first, Dr. Rick? I, I'll either way, man. Like we're, uh, Hey, we're doing this on the fly y'all. Like this is not, this is, this is actually like the showdown at the okay corral. Cause we're, we're like looking at each other going, all right, can you do five? I think I can do five. I got five. I know at five it's, it seems really easy. Um, you know, first thing I'd say is, um, you, like, you want to make a practice of praying together. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and a lot of what we're going to say are basics. But mm-hmm. but the truth is that when we don't do the basics, that's that's when that's when we find ourselves in trouble. And and I think one of those things, if you're if you're going to the Lord together on a regular basis, um, you're like you're you're spending time here in one another's hearts. Mm-hmm. You're here in you know, you're hearing one another's burdens. You're, you're listening to one another's needs. You're like, there's a lot that, that in, in time that we're spending with God together in prayer, we're also cluing into the, the heart of our spouse and, and you know, what, what our spouse needs. All right. Number two. Well, I, while yours, you, you of course come out with the Bible juke and the prayer, (laughs) pray together. Um, mine becomes maybe a little bit more practical, yeah. but it's definitely something that I think has fostered a lot of trust mm-hmm. in our marriage. And that is that we determined from the very beginning, we were never going to have secrets. Yep. Um, and I know that may sound trite and like, well, of course we aren't. But part of our commitment to never have secrets was not just that we weren't going to withhold anything, but we also weren't going to talk poorly about one another mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah. Um, and in the sense of we would never want to say something to someone else about our, our each other that we wouldn't, you wouldn't repeat say, it to you wouldn't them. say to them right? right yeah that if it got back to them yeah. that I had said something yeah. in that realm that 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 they wouldn't want that and so I again please hear me if there is a woman that is caught in abuse domestic abuse mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that yeah. right but but we 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 determined that we would not have secrets yeah. so you know through some hard times that we've walked through um either with our kids or maybe relationally there would be times that we would say hey i'm going to talk to so and so about this mm-hmm. but that was the thing we said yeah. i'm going to go talk to somebody is that okay yeah. like i i need to go talk to this person about what's going on but we didn't keep secrets yeah. we weren't going around behind each other's back and it really has fostered trust um you know we tell our kids i tell people all the time if you want to be integrous you need accountability yep. And so we just, we said, we're going to be accountable to one another, mm-hmm. which means we're not going to have secrets. All right. Number three, um, I, and this is going to, this is going to sound really trite, but this is something, something my grandmother told me and mm-hmm. something my parents told me it's true. And it's, it's like, don't go to bed angry. Mm. Yeah. Now there've been some times we've almost pulled some all nighters. <laughs> <laughs> But like the truth is that that I think, you know, in those moments where um, where you really do disagree, where, you know, we're where we're kind of, you know, we're kind of bent out of shape with one another um, to not leave that alone and not let it not let it build up and and seethe, but to deal with it. Mm. Um, like, I th- I think that I think that's been a big deal to mm. us um, because we just. 
like we've not had those big things because because things didn't just build and grow and mm. you know end up becoming big things. And so it's, it's it, you know it's a little bit along the same lines as what you say about keeping secrets. Mm. It's it's that stuff when you when you don't allow something to become a bubbling cauldron, That's right. it it's not gonna it's not gonna bubble over, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Yeah. Well, the next one I would say, and and hopefully again, if we're we're in Christian marriages, then our starting off place and every decision is the same, right? Yeah, right. Trust and dependence upon the Lord. Um, you know, the v- advice that was given to me that has been very helpful um, is always make sure that you agree on the destination mm-hmm. and don't fret over the journey. Mm, um, and and so I will say, because we've done that in our marriage, and hear me, we don't have a perfect marriage. We're not too, we're, we're two sinners. They're imperfect. They're trying to live together mm. <laughs> in harmony. However, what's interesting is we've never had a major disagreement about the destination because we've always determined we would agree on the destination. And because we're so equally yoked, most of the time there's very little tweaking on agreeing about the destination. Now we will adamantly disagree about the journey, you know, (laughs) but what we realize is as long as our destination is the same, then actually what we've even seen is the beauty of, and even with teenage children today, (laughs) there are times when, they need her journey yep. to the destination and there are times when they need my journey. Yeah. And then there are times where I yank them off her trail and put them on my trail and right. vice versa. But it's it it does give our kids a balance. But because they know we're heading in the same place, right. they can be confident. Right. And we can be confident and not doubt one another that we may have different methods and journeys to pass to get there, but we know we're going the same place. So I would say, make sure you always agree on the destination. You, you won't fight over money mm-hmm. when you agree, what is the purpose that we want to do with the resources right. we have as a family? Right. Again, decisions may be different along the way, but as long as the destination is right, how, what do we want our kids to become? Mm-hmm. Well, for us, we want them to become godly men and women that make a difference for the gospel in, in, in daily life life and the lives of others. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have different ways we want to get there. Sometimes Ashley, I mean, she can be a bit and and certainly I hope she doesn't get upset for me for saying this. She could be very rigid. Like if we are not sitting down with a devotional and a Bible open on a, <laughs> you know, on at least four to five nights a week, yeah. then we may be at risk of meeting our destination. I'm much more like I would rather catch them in the moment and the momentary of life and bring God's graces to them. Well, here's the thing. We can't just do what I would rather, what right. comes naturally for me. Right. And we can't, can't just always do, do what comes right. naturally to her. But that beautiful mingling yep. of the two methods in the journey, but we're going the same place. So we don't get upset about the different journeys and paths because we know we're going the same destination. All right. So if I'm counting this number five, number five, so number five is um, make time for one another. Mm. And I think, you know, and and like our families are really similar in this. And, and this is changing. I mean, you know, our kids are older. Your kids are getting older. We're, But like we've always done everything as a family, right? Mm-hmm. Like we like we roll all together wherever we go. Um, you know, I say about talking, you know, jokingly to adoptive families about attachment and building attachment, you know, like they can be too attached. Um, (laughs) A mesh. (laughs) But the, but the reality is that, that like that, that lends itself to, um, to kind of, 
like losing your spouse in the middle of it. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the things that's just been really important is to say, and it doesn't have to be big stuff. It doesn't, yeah. you know, I mean, people talk about date night and all that mm-hmm. sort of, it doesn't have to be date night. Mm-hmm. It That's good. Like it's great, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it could be, you know, like, getting away and going to bed early and, you know, but talking, Mm -hmm. like spending time with one another, like whatever, but that you're, that you're creating time where, um, your kids aren't around where, you know, things are, are just different. And now I'm going to save that because I've got to come up, I got to come up with two more. And, and so I was about to give one away in the context of, um, of, of that. But, but I think, because this is a bit of a competition if you guys hadn't figured it out. Um, well, of course, I was I was a little scared you were going to take that one, right? But um, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm good because I've got something else that, yeah. that was already burning. But I do want to suggest a book to everyone. There you go. Um, and it's Date Your Wife. Of course, yeah. this is going to be more for husbands. And it's by Justin Buzzard. And it, even though it says Date Your Wife, uh, I really love some of the stuff he has, some practical things that he has in this book uh, about dating your wife. And um, he actually gives you a hundred ideas of of the ways that you can do something to date your wife. And it's not go spend a bunch of money or go mm-hmm. actually go do something. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, which we've done before, it was, hey, send your kids upstairs to do something and you go do something in another part of the house. Right. right? (laughs) Um, and, and have a, just do something together. You know, um, it, it, lots of different things. I, I could not, uh, affirm enough Justin Buzzard's book, date your wife. And I think if you're a wife going, my husband will never read it, read it. It, 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 there is some, there's some, there's some things that are fun, some ideas that are fun to get together. So my second one or, or my third one, which, which, is very complimentary yep. to that is have fun together, <laughs> you know? And I think, <laughs> I think so many times we don't mean to be, but yeah. especially when you insert kids, yeah. it can get to be a bit of a business relationship yeah. and yeah. who's taking who, where, right. what's the decision here. And you're always talking about schedule. You're always talking about what do we need to do next and, and literally laugh together and have fun together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and in a sense, not to get back into Valentine's Day, but but even where we started, most of us were probably looking at our spouse and we are there because there was an attraction. Sure. You know, of an emotional and a physical attraction that, that brought us well, together. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and maybe you were in an arranged marriage and that's okay too. But, you know, even in that, you grew to be attracted sure. to enjoy certain things. Have fun together. Right. Laugh together. Don't take yourselves too seriously. Um, and and just have fun together. Um, and again, that's not saying that life has to be happy, but I remember, and I, I'll give one on me, and uh, for all the women will will definitely probably make fun of me when I say this, but... Uh, I remember on our third child, um, Ashley had determined that because she didn't want the the pain medicine. Mm. And so she is in active labor. And the one nice thing um, <laughs> that she would even say was nice at yeah. that time um, about not having the medication uh-huh. is that you can walk around and they actually will allow you to walk around the hospital. Okay. And um, I remember she's in active labor at the hospital and yeah. you're in the gift shop. And she was in pain. And I just remember laughing over some of the crazy stuff in the hospital gift shop. 
course, here's where you'll make fun of me. Then hand in hand, we're walking back to the room because then we're like, maybe we need to get on back to yeah. the, yeah, the, the yeah, hospital room. Maybe so. And I looked at her and said, it's like a free date. And probably shouldn't have said those words wow. because, you know, wow. yeah, but. But the point is, wow. up until I said that, <laughs> it had been a whole lot of fun, even amidst, you know, uh, an interesting time. And so, you know, there have been times that, um, you know, we've had sickness or, um, you know, I'm sure all the parents in the room can relate to this. Why do kids throw up at night in the in their bed? Why is that always the case? But they never do it during but the day. But they never do it during the day. We've been there debating on who has to clean up right. and who gets to clean the kid up. Right. Everybody wants to clean the kid up. No one wants to clean up the bed. Yep. And laughing through the messy and the hard. Have fun together. Laugh together. Don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Number seven, Dr. Rick. All right. So so this one, like I'm going to back into this one a little bit. So, and this, this kind of plays off of several things that we've talked about, but... There's research out there that says that if you if you look at the communication between a husband and wife, that somewhere around 95% of the communication between a husband and wife falls into one of four four categories. So there's there's like meaningless communication, which is just, hey, look at this meme on mm-hmm. Facebook, whatever. Like it's just garbage, right? And and honestly, that's probably a much larger degree hmm. than we ever give it credit for. So there's meaningless communication. Then there's, you talked about it, administrative communication, right? So mm-hmm. like, where are we going? Who's picking up who? All that, you know, and, and you're just like, you're just covering the details of life. <laughs> the The third one is like what kind of amounts to crisis communication. So it's, you know... <laughs> Somebody fell. Who's taking them to the emergency room? How are we, you know, how are we going to pay for that? What is the, you know, you're paying bills together. You're doing whatever. Like it's, but it's that. What does it take um, for for us to deal with the emergent stuff around us just to be able to keep the ship afloat and keep everybody moving in the right direction? Hmm. So for most families, that's ninety five percent of the communication we have. Hmm. So here's here's something I've asked couples to do over the years is to start out spending, take 10 minutes, mm. Mm. 10 minutes, the two of you, no kids around, nobody. And here's what you can't talk about. You can't talk about anything that's just garbage, you know, which mm. is on TV or anything else. You can't talk about communication to like order your life up. Mm. And, and you can't talk about your problems hmm. and you got 10 minutes and, and I do this every time we have a rooted in love and the couples just laugh when we, when we do it, because they're like, what are we, what are we supposed to talk about? I mean, a lot of them, honestly, you're sitting there going like, I, I don't know. And, and it's like, well, what do you talk about? Well, talk about that stuff that you talked about when you were dating, hmm. talk about your hopes, talk about your dreams, talk about, you know, talk about your fears, talk about, you know, talk about funny stuff and stuff that, you know, stuff that makes your heart glad and talk about each other. Talk about what mm. you love about your spouse. Talk about how they bring you joy. Talk about, you know, those kind of things. And and so, like, I think in in the midst of the busyness, um, just don't forget to talk. Mm. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Yeah. Number eight. And I think in our culture today, it is it is so lost. 
Um, and, and I think this is important even to a marriage, even though I'm about to introduce your kids, <laughs> but I think having family dinner together is vital. Um, and I get it with the busyness. You can't do it yep. every time, yep. but, but having the, having a, a discipline of saying we're going to eat at least three to four meals together as a family every week. Um, that's our aim. And we're not going to beat ourselves up if we can't make it right to three or four, but we're not going to at least not go a, a full week that everybody's in town, mm-hmm. not having at least one meal together. And in that meal, and so I'm, I'm combining two a bit, being undistracted, mm-hmm. turn the TV off. So take your, take your smartphones and put them somewhere else. And bro, I would say even for Ashley and I mm-hmm. sitting there and conversing with our children, yeah. I mean, from Every age. Yeah. I mean, now we broke our rule one time because Emily was doing some crazy things with a strawberry when she was like two or three <laughs> and we had to go get the phone and video it because she was being hilarious and we still have that video this day. But I think our kids would say yeah. some of their most fond memories were just sitting around at the table, yeah. having fun together, eating a meal. I mean, we would create games at the table. Even to this day, um, you know, when Caleb came home for college during Christmas, there were times that that my wife would say, OK, well, we need to we need to do the dishes and clean up. And the kids would go, why? We don't want to leave. That's there wasn't funny. a TV. There wasn't a phone. We were just together enjoying one another over the table, over the meal. God makes us hungry hmm. and he asks us to replenish our, and he asks us, and we do it in community. And if you look throughout God's word, what was Jesus's first miracle? People get hung up over yeah. the whole water into wine or yeah. grape juice. Yeah. What in the world was that? Right. But the whole idea was it was a family, was family coming together celebrating, yep. um, celebrating the goodness of God. And, and, and again, if you don't have kids, Make that function now that you say, as a couple, we're not going to go eat our meal in front of the TV. We're not going to surf the internet while we're eating at home, yep. but make the table a sacred place where you come together and you gather and you, you, you eat and you converse and you share hearts. And again, it has strengthened our marriage, even being able to converse together around the table with our kids. And think about how rare it is that mom and dad are with all of their kids able just to have a discussion these days. Um, So it doesn't just strengthen the family. It strengthens the marriage. Number nine, Dr. Rick, this is your last one. So make it good. Well, hang on. I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to affirm you in that last one before we go any further. So just a little, little trivia piece here. There's a, um, there's actually some research out there and one of the greatest predictor variables of national merit scholars is that they mm. families that eat dinner together on a regular basis produce more national merit scholars mm. than families that don't. Mm. Um, and it's crazy. But so like if you want your kids to be really smart, maybe even geniuses eat dinner at home together as a family. Yeah, I would just um, say, since you said that, one more thing too, I just, yeah. if you don't do it, and you think my kids would never want to do it, especially uh, if you've got teenagers. Here's the thing. And Dr. Rick and I've worked <laughs> with students a long, long time. They crave it. Yes, they do. They crave it. And I, I'll even say this. Yesterday, I had a 21-year-old college kid who I had an opportunity to teach a class for that came and sat with me from 5 to 7 o'clock last night. Yeah. And he just wanted to talk. Yeah. And he said, 
And he thanked me. He said, I just so crave adult conversation That's and being awesome. able to hear. Like your kids want to be yep. a part of that. They do crave it. Yep. They don't want the video games. Yep. They, they've gotten addicted to them. Sure. But they crave that that interaction. Yeah. Um, all right. So number, number last for me, number nine. Um, do something regularly that your spouse loves and wants to do. Mm. Um, and, and so my, you know, my joke, my illustration of that is um, my wife, as I said, is, was a literature major and, and loves English literature. And that was kind of her thing. And, and so I have, I think I've seen every long form BBC documentary of every Jane Austen book and every, like, it's ridiculous. The number of hours that I've spent watching that sort of stuff. And I do not like it <laughs> at all. Nobody puts on a helmet. Nobody throws a ball in any of those things like there. It is not. But she loves it. Like it's it's something like she really enjoys. And and so I watch it and I don't watch it um, like I learned. Mm. I don't watch it saying, well, yeah, we're going to watch your show. And no, like like I I. I watch it and converse about it. And we, you know, like I, like I try to, I try to lean into it the the best I can. And, um, you know, and I'm blessed, I'm blessed to be married to a lady who actually like loves football and stuff like that. And so we, you know, but, but we have things in common. Um, she kids me that she, she watches figure skating. And if you don't know that whole story, we'll talk about that later, but she watches figure skating with me um, because I am the most annoying person on earth during figure skating competitions. Yes, he was a competitive ice skater. <laughs> so, but she, but she watches that with me um, and, and doesn't particularly like it um, mainly because I think I do commentary, but um, you do better than the people on television. But, um, but no, but seriously, like we, you know, like we're actively looking for ways to find things to lean into for one another. And, um, and, and like those things are weirdly fun, mm -hmm. not because I necessarily enjoy it or not, not necessarily because she, you know, inherently enjoys those things, but it's, it's fun. It's fun to be with the person you love, mm -hmm. seeing them enjoy something. That's right. So, you know. Find something that they love and you try to figure out how to love it too. Yeah. And the truth is, and Dr. Rick doesn't want to admit it, but the longer you do that with your spouse, the things you didn't necessarily love, you actually begin to enjoy. See, I was not um, going to say that, but I actually like. Yeah. So he, I've, I, we've been on a plane and I've watched him <laughs> watch a Jane Austen movie before. Uh, no, but, but I think, you know, e even to that, you and I both share a love for Alabama football. Right. And, you know, my wife didn't know anything about football right. when we got married, and she's maybe a more rabid fan than I am when it comes to uh, Alabama football. Uh, but yeah, that's so important. So I, I don't want to bookend these in a in a way that feels staged or repetitive, but I really do think this is so important. And what you started with was beautiful and true. We need to pray together. Yep. Um, I also think we need to be lifting one another up to Christ in our own personal devotion yep. um, and praying for our spouse and and not just, hey, give her a good day or, you know, the easy stuff. But but what are we praying for our spouse mm. for the future? What are we praying for in in their relationship and walk with Christ? Um, you know, 
for instance, right now, and and I don't want to get, I got to be careful because I don't want to overshare because, you know, but my wife loves inductive Bible study and mm-hmm. she loves precept Bible study and she hasn't been able to do it. And I, the Lord has really pricked my heart that the Lord would give her opportunities mm-hmm. for more inductive Bible study, you know, and, and then the second thing, and this is where I'm horrible at doing it, mm-hmm. Dr. Rick, I'm, and I'm telling everyone here, I'm not good at doing this. <laughs> I need to get better at doing this, but then share your spe- with your spouse, what you're praying for them. Yeah. Uh, I know Ashley knows without a shadow of a doubt, I'm, honestly and earnestly praying for her on a continual basis because she hears me pray for her, but I don't do a good job sharing with her those, those heart level things that I'm praying for her. Um, of course I came up in that generation. I think you did too, where you had a quiet time, you go to a secret place where no one else is and it's between you and the Lord That's right. and old habits are hard to break. Um, check that on, check the envelope on the Sunday that's school right, envelope. The, the Sunday yeah. school envelope. Yeah, I did my quiet time in a quiet place by myself. Um, but because of that, sometimes, you know, I have a hard time sharing the sacred yeah. um, and I need to do better with my soulmate, yeah. but, but she knows I'm praying for, and I, I do think as I need to get better at it, it's important that she knows what I'm praying for her. Yeah. Man, this has been fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I had to stop Dr. Rick being the competitive ice skater that he was he he has a cupid ice skating costume that he wanted to wear <laughs> because it was valentine's the day. world could not take that no that way. would be that would be worse than an international incident absolutely well we we enjoyed one just being together i truly hope that uh if you listen to this podcast today on valentine's day or any other day uh that that you would be encouraged and the lord would use this and enrich this so that ultimately your marriages would be stronger your families would be impactful and your kids would be truly able to be shot out like arrows that would change the world for the gospel and glory of god thanks for joining us for the defender podcast and we look forward to seeing you again next week Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.